This is Amida Spitlow from QSO VSO West. I'm in Winnipeg on a lovely summer day and sitting with Jeff Ripat. Is that how I say it? That's how you say it. Okay. Ripat. Yeah. I was so happy to have met your wife and children when they had just returned last year. Uh, where did you go and serve? Uh, we were in Cochabamba, Bolivia. And uh, we were there for four and a half years. We've been back in Canada for just over a year now. What uh, years were they? Uh, November 2004 yes. until June of 2009. Okay, so here's a funny thing about podcasts. I did the podcast with your family. Then we got some downloads in Cochabamba. Some downloads? Of the podcast oh, in really? Cochabamba. Wow, cool. <laughs> so when you're speaking on these podcasts, uh, we have people all around the world that listen, especially when we use keywords like Cochabamba, then they find their own town, and then they download and listen. And they're probably wondering what the heck we're saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because it was Spanish, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. And, uh, the you interviews were in English, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were, they were. No, a little bit of your children's interviews were in... Spanish. They oh, got yeah. to show show off their Spanish oh, cool. and their toys and stuff like that. Yeah. This was a very unusual thing for you to do, to go with a whole family. How did you feel about it as you were applying or heading out? Uh, I guess I felt like it was a normal thing to do because I, I grew up uh, traveling around the world too a little bit. My dad is a civil engineer, oh. and we lived. Our family lived in. Uh, in the Middle East for a couple of years, and then uh, coincidentally enough in Bolivia for a couple of years when I was growing up. So wow. um, it seemed to me like just a natural thing, not a natural thing, but it was not uh, out of the realm of possibility to do it with my own kids. In fact, it's something that I always wanted to do with my own family and go and have a professional work experience, but also bring my, my young children and my partner along and have everyone share in the and the amazing experience that it is to live and work in a different culture. I so people were saying, I, I remember uh, <laughs> we kept hearing people saying, you're so brave. Yeah. And I thought, no, I'm not. Like, this is not. Felt natural This to is you. nothing about bravery. Like, there's lots of things that people are doing that are brave. But this is just something that, you know, it feels like the right thing to do. So I met your children, and I found them to be bright, warm, multicultural in their, I mean, they were so warm to me, there wasn't even, it was, no, you know, just great, sharing, holding my hand. Yeah, I think partially that's cultural, you know, yeah. too, that's something that unfortunately has worn off a little bit over the past year since we've come back. Oh, has it? Yeah, because uh, the Bolivian culture is very uh, warm and touchy not touchy-feely, but yeah. people hug each other and kiss upon greeting. And, yeah, yeah. Um, they kissed me like one, two, three, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's what they were used to doing. I guess we were fairly fresh back when yeah. we interviewed them. But uh, yeah. that uh, is something that that kids there are expected to do with adults too, right? Uh -huh. You can't... The kids uh, in Canada kind of shrink behind their parents or they ignore the adults or yes. only speak if spoken to a little bit or whatever, yeah. but it's quite normal for a kid in Bolivia to be asked how they're doing and then actually say how they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do there, Jeff? I was uh, involved with um, an NGO uh, that had projects for kids and they 
the, the projects were all over the country. There was about 30 of them. And they ranged from um, fairly simple like homework uh, and social support type projects to large community development projects with a range of activities like uh, from housing construction to uh, training local veterinarians to uh, building nursery school programs and um, everything in between. Um, so my job was, uh, officially my title was monitoring and evaluation specialist, but okay. what I did was work with the NGO around uh, setting up systems um, of monitoring and of evaluation and how to, how to measure product, projects, uh, make sure that they're achieving the goals they set out to, to achieve and measure their long-term impacts. But having said that, um, I did some of that and I did a whole bunch of other things too, considering yeah. that I was there for four and a half years. Um, I ended up doing all kinds of odds and ends too, like proposal writing and um, even at some points translations because I was the only person that uh, spoke English in the office uh, for a period of time. So things that were um, donors from North America would, would phone the NGO and expect to, be, to speak with someone, but and then that would end up being me. <laughs> so, so public engagement, donor relations, all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, photography. When I got there, I was the only person on staff uh, or in any of the projects with a digital camera. Oh. And so there was a huge demand always for photos, for reports, and for communications and outreach and everything else. So I ended up doing a lot of that. And I wasn't a photographer when I went down there. And I, my photography skills have really <laughs> taken a big leap forward now. And I'm, it's something I'm go. into. But what were you trained as before you go? I'm a social worker. Oh, okay. Training, yeah. Now, but this was in a mining community, right? Well, uh, you started initially, off. Yeah. Initially, my first placement was in Potosi, which is a mining community, um, and it's uh, actually the home of the world's richest, the richest silver mine that the world's ever known. And they say that eight million people have died within that mine uh, over the million. the past 400 years, and it's still being mined today. There's 20,000 miners a day that enter it, and some of them are kids uh, under the age, you know, 16 years old, down to 12 years, 12 year old, a few 12 year olds. Um, but the project that I was initially working with was uh, set up to help the youth miners of the of this mountain, and uh, provided a bunch of different supports, uh, ranging from food, just food. To uh, health information and um, recreational opportunities and job, um, trying the long-term goal was to provide different employment opportunities or to mm. get them to think about different em employment opportunities. But, but, but this wasn't their only option. I've heard a lot of volunteers. This is a very—it was a very difficult situation, though, because yeah. the city is really a mining town, and the mining controls the economy. Yes. And there wasn't, uh, yeah, it's, so it's that would difficult have been to find alternatives. It would have been very difficult for you also because it's you're trying to talk about alternatives and yet this is the only thing there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think in the long term there are a few positive things have, have been developed, but it's it's a difficult situation and it was a difficult situation personally for me yeah. because I was we we're living in the city of Cochabamba and I was working in Potosí which these two cities are about 10 hours apart by bus. Oh so I was my busing back and forth between the two, and my Those wife and kids were in, in Cochabamba, 
and had just landed and didn't speak Spanish, and I had some Spanish. So it was not a sustainable situation. So it was after maybe three or four months of that that uh, I said, I can't do this oh, anymore. Okay, that's and we were, what I remember. And then we renegotiated with, uh, with QSO and with the NGO, a different role for me. So, oh. And then from then on, it was, it was a lot better. <laughs> what are you doing now in Winnipeg? I'm uh, coordinating a program called CEDTAS, uh, which is the Community Economic Development Technical Assistance Service, which... Um, Basically, it's a volunteer matching uh, program where we match community organizations, uh, especially nonprofits working in disadvantaged communities um, on poverty issues and economic development, with uh, not professional volunteers in, their pay, in that they're volunteers for life, but uh, volunteers with very specific uh, professional skills that the organizations need in order to move forward. So we meet with the organizations and assess what they're up to, uh, what projects they're doing, and we uh, figure out how to best help them out to achieve their goals and resource them. So sometimes it's with referrals to others that are doing similar things, and sometimes we say, okay, would it help if we could find you a, an architect or a lawyer or uh, like what a strategic planner to be able to move your... Move your uh, plans forward and then we go out and find that person and match them up. Kind of like what we do at Kiso VSO. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a miniature version within the city of yeah. Winnipeg. Yeah. So you continue to make a difference in your own community and so I try. <laughs> well I'm sure you do. <laughs> Having met your wife and children I know that this is this is a family that's living a purposeful life. Oh. I will say that. Thank you. Uh, so thank you for your service. Thank you, and I hope that uh, the next generation, as your children, will consider doing this when they're older and repeat the story that your wonderful parents gave you. I hope so, too. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Just hope they don't get too far away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would see? like to go visit them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff.